the Rambam begins with tshuva. He formulates the mitzvah of tshuva as follows: that all mitzvahs with regard to all mitzvahs in the Torah, ben asay, ben losasay, be they positive, be they negative, in other adam al achas mehen, if a person is guilty of violating one of the mitzvahs, again, ben bezadon, ben b'shkaga, be it willfully, be it unintentionally, kshiyaset tshuva v'yoshev mechata, when a person repents. He's obligated to proclaim his tshuva. Right? We generally translate the hisvados as to confess, but that's really an incomplete translation. It means more to proclaim, to articulate. He has to proclaim, he has to verbalize the tshuva. But then the Rambam adds a very interesting phrase. Before Hashem. Then the Rambam continues that this vidui is a mitzvah. So what's the Rambam's emphasis that, that when one is misvada, when one verbalizes the tshuva, so one does so lifnei hakel. Everything is lifnei hakel. Whatever we do is in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch the Rambam doesn't emphasize that when you take the lulav on the 15th of Tishrei, the Chai of Lito lulav lifnei hakel. You have to take the lulav lifnei hakel. That's sort of built in to, to our, our life. Everything is lifnei hakel. So why does the Rambam here go out of his way to underscore that fact? That's one, one question which will, uh, which will occupy our attention. Then the Rambam continues and says, Ketzad Mitzvadin. What elements, what components have to be included in the vidui? So the Rambam says, Hashem Pashati I have sinned with different degrees of culpability, uh, unintentionally, intentionally, rebelliously, and one specifies the Aveira, the, 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 the sin, that's one of the slans. And I regret, and I'm ashamed, I'm humiliated with my actions. And, and I resolve never ever to repeat these misdeeds, these sins. This is the essence. This is the, these are the absolute the indispensable, indispensable and essential component of the Hebrew. So it's clear that a person has to acknowledge the hate that we understand. It's equally clear that a person has to express regret. If a person simply acknowledges, well, the Torah said not to do it, and I did it, I acknowledge it, I'm not going to do it again. If there's no regret at having sinned, so again, one doesn't really acknowledge it as a, as a sin. To, to, to acknowledge hate means to regret. So that we understand. But why is it so crucial that one has to be able to honestly say, Boshti b'masai, that I'm embarrassed, that I'm ashamed at what I've done. And again, and, and this is not just something which is desirable, but this is something which is absolutely indispensable. So why is it so crucial that one have this sense 
of, of embarrassment, of humiliation. Now the truth is that the, the Rambam didn't, didn't make this up, right? This wasn't, the Rambam didn't pull this out of thin air, so we know from the Psukim, some of which we say in, in the Slichos, that the Psukim in, 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 in Navi emphasize this, the central role of this feeling of busha, of, of embarrassment and humiliation when thinking about one's chatoim. Ezra Sofer says, we say this in the Slichos, Elokai boshti v'nichlamti lehoyim Elokai panai elecha. I'm embarrassed, I'm humiliated to lift my face to you, Yibam Shalolam, because kiavanoseinu rabu lamala, because of, of the multitude of, of our sins. In Yemiyahu boshti v'gam nichlamti ki nasasi cherpas nuuroi. I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, because I carry with me the... The, the, the shame of, of my youth. And similarly in Yechezkel, the Navi says that as part of tshuva, as part of attaining kapara leman tizkiri vavosht, that we should remember our chatoim and that we should feel embarrassment, we should feel humiliation. So again, we, we see clearly what the Rambam's source is, we're not questioning what the source for this is, but why, why this emphasis on busha, on embarrassment and, 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 and uh, shame in the process of tshuva. So let's reflect for a moment on, on what, what the experience of, of shame is. A person feels ashamed. So what is it that, that generates it? Or what triggers that feeling of shame? So if I were to walk into, if I were to walk into this show, and let's say the show were totally empty. And I were to walk in very clumsily and uh, trip over my own feet. So I, I, I might be angry at myself. I might be, uh, I might be concerned why I lost my balance. But I'm not going to be ashamed. No one, no one saw it. No one witnessed. No one witnessed it. So I'm not going to feel ashamed. On the other hand, if I walk in and the, and the, and the show is full, and then I uh, clumsily trip over my own feet, so then I'm going to feel embarrassed. And the more people present, so then the more acutely embarrassed I'm going to feel. So busha, shame, is a social emotion. Social emotion in that it's something one feels only in the presence of others. But one alone, right, unobserved, if something is not witnessed by others, it doesn't become a source of shame. Now, hate... This, then, the importance, the indispensability of busha in the experience and process of tshuva gives us insight into what chet is. So again, we can sort of list chatoim. We can list chatoim. I guess we can go through the, the se'ifim and shulchan aruch. We can go through minyan mitzvahs and... Right, the Rabbeinu Yonah in Shari Tshuva has a, has a long list. All of these are much too relevant. But there is one general or, or generic definition of chait. And that is that when one sins, one has lost his awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That to sin means not to be aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not to be aware that we're in His presence, not to be aware, again, that, that, that every moment of our lives is lived in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? Because it's inconceivable for a person, right, for a person 
Omid Lifnei Melech, standing before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if a person, for a person to, to, to disobey, for a person to rebel, when he's right in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's inconceivable. And we know it from experience, right? If a person, when a person makes a Cheshman HaNefesh, when a person makes a Cheshman HaNefesh, so we realize that Chet comes when we're distracted, when we lose our awareness of being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's actually a common root to all Chatoim. And perhaps it's for this reason that the Gemara in Masachus Yuma has a very interesting Machlokis between the Tanoim when we misvada, when we articulate the Tshuva, so there's a Machlokis in the Tanoim whether one has to specify the Chet. So the Rambam we just read, Paskin said you do. The Machabah says it's not absolutely required. It's recommended but not required. That's the, the view of, of Rabbi Akiva, that one doesn't have to specify the chait, which is very strange, because, again, when you're doing tshuva, so tshuva, again, the vidui is articulating the, the inner experience and process of tshuva. So doesn't my tshuva have to be tailored to the specific chait? I have a weakness in a certain area, and that's why I stumbled in that area. That's why I was nifshal in that area. So shouldn't the tshuva... Again, shouldn't the tshuva be tailored to that specific area? I have a weakness for, for gossip. I have a weakness for, for X, Y, and Z. So shouldn't the vidui have to zero in on the specific chay? Why should Rabbi Akiva say that a, a, an unspecific chatasi or visi pashati suffices? But according to what we're saying, the truth is yes, that we have specific weaknesses, but each of these weaknesses is really interacting or is really being compounded by one fundamental weakness, by one fundamental flaw, and that's being distracted again from the ultimate reality of, of all of life, of all of existence, and that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Whatever my weakness may be, whether it's a weakness for gossip, whether it's a weakness that I like to sleep late, so I don't get up in the morning to daven, whether it's that I'm not sufficiently zarez to make the most of my time, whatever that weakness may be, so that weakness is only, I'm only able to indulge that weakness as long as I lack this awareness of being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But being, if I would only have that acute awareness, so that energizes the person. That, 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 that injects such, such energy and focus and discipline into a person that chait is unimaginable. Says Rabbi Akiva, the very admission of chatasi, again, chatasi, I missed the mark, because I was distracted from you. So now we understand very well why the Navi emphasizes that busha is indispensable when it comes to doing tshuva. Because if I can say I sinned and I sincerely regret the chait and la'ola meni chozeladavazeh and I genuinely, sincerely resolve not to repeat this chait, I can say all that. But if there's no shame, so then the tshuva hasn't addressed, again, that basic, fundamental deficiency which is in the my awareness of being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Busha again, Busha is when do we experience shame? We experience shame when someone sees right? When someone sees our inadequacies, when someone witnesses our failures, then we feel Busha. When no one witnesses the inadequacies, when no one sees our failures, so then we don't feel Busha. 
So to feel busha means that one has really done tshuva. Why? What occasioned the chet? What made the chet possible? What made the chet possible, again, was my being distracted, was my not being aware of being in the presence, not feeling that I was in the presence of Hashem. That's what made the chet possible. That's what facilitated it. So the tshuva is measured by the fact if I feel busha, so that means that I feel acutely that I'm in the presence of the one who did witness my failure, who did see my inadequacy. Without busha, if there's no busha, so then that means that one's awareness of Hashem hasn't become heightened. And if the awareness hasn't been heightened, so the fact that I recognize that I was nechshal, the fact that I recognize that I stumbled, but if I'm not addressing the root, I'm not addressing that basic deficiency, so then the tshuva is incomplete. Hence, it has to be having nichanti uboshti b'masai because rivon shalolam. I sinned because I was distracted. I didn't feel that I was in your presence. I didn't have that awareness, and now I do. I have that awareness. Why else am I ashamed? Why else am I ashamed? No one else saw my chatoim, but you did, and now I feel constantly, continuously in your presence. And the truth is that Rabbi Yonah, the idea which we're Developing, Rabbeinu Yonah really says this in Shari Tshuva. Rabbeinu Yonah in the first Shah of Shari Tshuva has 20 ikarim, 20 fundamental components or elements of Tshuva. Of those 20, the sixth that Rabbeinu Yonah says is Busha, shame. And he quotes one of the psukim we mentioned, Ki'inyan shenema boshti v'gam nechlamti ki nasasi cherpas n'urai. And then he says, I would be deterred. I'd be embarrassed to sin in public. And I'd be humiliated if other people would know. So how is it possible? So how is it possible that when, when I could do things which are undetected by human eye, so how is it possible that I could do that? How is it possible that I didn't feel ashamed? I wasn't deterred by that sense of shame of Hashem, that Hashem would witness it? The only possible explanation for Chait, says Rabbeinu Yonah, is that Hashem is far from my mind. Al Cain, consequently, Yevoshmin have Nivroim, Velo Yevoshmin Abarius Barach. That's why I'm deterred by, by the shame of being observed by people, but I'm not deterred by the shame of being observed by Hakarish Baruchu. And then the Rabbeinu Yonah goes on, he quotes the Gemara at the end of the first parak in Brachos, a remarkable statement of the Gemara, Rabbi Absolutely remarkable. The Gemara says that Kol Ha'ose Devar Avera, Umizbayeshbo, if a person, if a person again stumbles, a person sins, and then he feels ashamed, so the Gemara says something remarkable. The Gemara says, not only, not only is forgiveness forthcoming for that specific avera, but if I feel ashamed about this avera. So then, so all my sins are forgiven. So isn't that a overly generous or disproportionate reaction? Because Ms. Bayesh on this chait, 
but the Gemara Brachas is also reflecting this idea again there's a common denominator to every chait and that common denominator again is in the words of Rabbeinu Yonah Heyos Hashem Rachot Mikil Yosef Mikil Yosef Hashem is far from our minds Hashem is not at the center of our lives so if whatever Avera it is that triggers it whatever Avera but if an Avera triggers that all of a sudden I develop that awareness, I rediscover and I reinstate that awareness of Hashem being at the center of my life, of Hashem being a constant, continuous presence in my life, so then that addresses all my chatoim. And Memele Kola is One would, would is even tempted to say, homiletically, that when the Gemara says that the simple pshat the Gemara that a person is embarrassed about the Averu which he committed. But possibly the Gemara also should be understood on another level. A person commits an Averu Achman Litzlan, but Mispayishbo, and then he's embarrassed from Hakodesh Baruch Hu. So then, because that's a response not just to this Averu that I did. That's a response to all my Averus. And that's also what the Rambam is emphasizing. We mentioned So why doesn't the Rambam emphasize the Chayav Lito Lulav Lifnei Hakel Baruchu that when you take the Lulav you're doing that in the presence of Hashem? So the answer is clear, right? That Chayav Lehizvados when a person says Vidui he has to say it with this heightened with this acute awareness of Lifnei Hakel because it's that awareness ultimately which is the essence of the tshuva which is the essence of the vidui it was that awareness right? that awareness of Hashem which was lacking and it's that awareness that I'm being misvada lifnei hakel before Hashem which is the essence of, of the tshuva now I'd like to add two, two other perspectives this definition that we've derived at of chait and of tshuva chait again a lack of let's call it Hashem awareness a lack of God awareness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not a constant presence in our lives and that tshuva basically means re- reinstating that awareness rediscovering that awareness of, of Hashem as a constant presence in our lives. The, the first point is, is, is a little bit subtle, but, but let, let's, let, let's do our best to, to try to follow it. The Torah says, V'yadata hayom v'hashevosa elevavecha Ki Hashem hu elokim We say this at the end of Aleinu, right before V'alkei Nekaveh Right? You should know today and you should internalize. That, that, that Hashem is the master, the sovereign in the heavens above and on the earth below. And then we say there's nothing else. What do we mean by that? So in Aleinu, by way of introduction, before we cite this Pasuk, so we say, Emes Malkeinu Efes Zulasa. Right? 
right? Our king, Hashem, is Emes, is true. Ephes Zulasa. There's nothing beside him. What do you mean there's nothing beside him? There's this shtender which I'm, which I'm standing at. There's, there's all of us. What does it mean, Ephes Zulasa? What does it mean, Ephes Zulasa? So the Rambam explains, and, 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 and the Rav <coughs> presents this in, in different places in, in his writings, that what it means is this. That obviously the shtender is, is not Hashem. That, that would be pantheism. That would be kfirah Rachman al-Islam to say that obviously we are not Hashem. But as a substance, we're distinct from Hashem. But in terms of existence, the only way we exist, the Rambam says in Hilchas Yisodei HaTorah that hakol nismach elov bahavayoso, the only way we exist is through Hashem. It's only because of Hashem and through Hashem that we exist. Emes Malkeinu Efezulaso. Yes, this standard is not Hashem. Nothing material is Hashem. We're not Hashem. We're different substances, we're distinct substances. But we don't have our own existence. We don't have our own existence. It's only because Hashem lets us partake of His existence. Emes Malkeinu Efezulaso. Hashem hu elokim b'shemayim imal or mitachas ain od. There's nothing else that that exists. Nothing exists in independently. Again, in ato haresol adas ain od milvado. That's what all these phrases are, are expressing. So nothing exists without Hashem. Everything exists again because Hashem lets us partake of His existence. Now, what that means is that. When we, so we all believe, we all know Hashem exists. We all know that Hashem is mashkiach on the world. We see it in, in, in our history. We see it in the workings of the world. With the correct sensitivity, we see it on a daily basis in, in our own lives. But, but we lose our awareness of that. But to lose the awareness of that is really to to a degree to undermine that belief because you can't believe in Hashem again and, and sort of file that away just as an intellectual conviction oh because everything that exists exists because Hashem lets us partake of His existence ain't old so if I'm sinning because I'm distracted from Hashem so I'm not only distracted from my belief in Hashem, I'm distorting that belief in Hashem. Because MS Malkenu Efezulaso. Efezulaso. How can I look at anything? How can I think of anything and not be filled again with a, an awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu if I lack that again? I'm not only distracted from my belief, but I'm distorting my belief. And, and it's a... It, it, helps us understand the magnitude of chayt. That's one perspective. A second perspective is that when we speak of having an awareness of Hashem, so that awareness really should be at the core of our own self-awareness. What does that mean? So we all have a self-awareness, a self-image. I, uh, I think of myself as a, as a son as a, as a father, as a husband, as a Talmud to my Rebbeim, as a Rebbe to my Talmudim. 
I, 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 I am aware of complete incompetence in many, many areas and I'm aware of other areas where, where Hashem has uh, invited me to try to be uh, somewhat productive. And all these elements right, comprise one's self-awareness, one's self-image. And, and we all have that, right? And many of the components, many of the elements are, are the same. And then some are individualized depending upon the specific talents, inclinations, existential circumstances which each of us have, so then it's going to be somewhat individualized. But everyone has a self-image, a self-awareness of who I am, of what I am. But ultimately, that self-image, that self-awareness should be that I'm a Yitzir Kapo of Shalach Baruch That who I am, what I am, is simply the handiwork of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That should be at the center, again, not only that, that when I look outside of myself, I should see the Rebbe Shalom, but when I look inwardly as well, in terms of what my self-image is, what my self-awareness is, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a husband, etc., etc., but all of that... All of that in the shadow of being Yitzir Kapo of Shalach Kodesh Baruch Hu. The Rambam writes in Parik Beis the Rambam has a remarkable, remarkable formulation. The Rambam says that, that, that a person who is arrogant, a person who is haughty, the Rambam says is guilty of being kofar, of denying Hashem. He doesn't say that it's tantamount to Kfira. The Rambam says, no, he's, he's actually guilty of denying Hashem. This is the Rambam's understanding. Girsa and Gemara and Sosa. Od Amu Shekol HaMagbiya Libo Kofa Be'ikor Shenem Averam Levavech Veshachachtos Hashem Alokecha. So if a person is haughty, a person is arrogant, it's, it's incredible. The Rambam says that he's guilty, right? He's denying Hashem. He should have said it's tantamount to denying Hashem. It's as if he denied Hashem. The Rambam doesn't have any of those disclaimers. He says, How is that possible? Because the answer is that, that a person is arrogant, a person is haughty when he has a sense of being independent, when he has a sense of being autonomous, when he has a sense of kochi v'otsem yodi, so then a person can feel arrogant and he can be haughty. As long as a person recognizes, recognizes that Emes Malkeinu, Efezulaso, so how can a person be Magbi Alivo? How can a person be arrogant? How can a person be haughty if Emes Malkeinu, Efezulaso? If, if true, yes, that, that, that we work hard because HaKadosh Baruch Hu taught us to work hard. And without, without that yigi and amal, without working hard, whether it's in the realm of Torah and mitzvahs, or whether it's in the realm of, of trying to earn a livelihood, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu stipulated that it's a necessary condition. All that is true, but ultimately, Emes Malkeinu Efezulaso, ultimately, with all that yigi and amal, which we have to invest, which we have to put in, we're totally dependent upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this awareness of Hashem, not only is it an awareness I'm supposed to have, but that should be intrinsic to my own self-awareness, to my own self-image. So not only, not only when a person is chote, right? Again, chet means heyos Hashem rochok mikol Yosef. 
Hashem is, is, is far from my mind. He's not in my thoughts. Hashem is not in my thoughts. Not only does that distort my belief in Hashem, but it's also a distorted self-image as well. And that's what tshuva is. Again, that that awareness of Hashem as a presence in our lives. A presence, there's a difference between, there's a difference between believing in Hashem, believing in Hashem, and even, even leading a life which reflects that, and between having Hashem as a constant presence in one's life. And what we seek to accomplish through tshuva is again that Hashem should be a presence in our life. Hashem should be an immediate presence in our life, not just an object of, of belief and knowledge, but a presence in, in our life. How, how, do we, how do we accomplish that? How is this manifest? How do we accomplish it? So first of all, one area is when, when we say Shema twice daily, three times, Kriya Shema Lamita, so again, the, the Rav discusses this. Ultimately, when we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, so what we're affirming, part of what we're affirming, again, is this idea of Emes Malkeinu, Ephesulaso. So a proper Kabbalah Olmach Shemayim is constantly reminding us, is constantly reinforcing, again, this sense of that, that we exist, again, because we share. Hashem lets us share his existence. And when we say Hashem Echad, that's what it means. Because Ephesulaso, Hashem is not only one, but he's the only one. Ephesulaso, Ein Od Milvado, and that's what it means when we say Hashem Echad. So, as part of our tshuva, as part of our tshuva, and, and it's not coincidental that the, the crescendo of, of uh, the apex of Yom HaKippurim is to be able to say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elkein, Hashem Echad, is, is to, to understand the Kabbalah's Om Al-Chashamayim. Again, that we exist alongside Hashem. We exist with Hashem. Hashem, again, is at the center and, and the source of our existence. Practically, whenever we undertake any endeavor, whenever we undertake any endeavor, so a person has to think and optimally should say, should say, as you may im Hashem, Shamayim A person should realize again, Emes Malkeinu Ephesulasa, whatever it is that I'm undertaking to do, whether it's to give a drasha, whether it's to, to put in a good day's work, yeah, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to, like, like you told me, Rabbanu Shalom, but I recognize, Ezri Me'im Hashem, Oseh Shemaim Va'aretz. A, recognize that dependence. B, we should talk to Hashem. Hashem is, the, is omnipresent in in, in, in our life. You know when Chazal say that Gedola Hafnosus Yochim Yosem Ikabalas Pnei Hashchina, right? So it's more of a mitzvah. Avram Avinu left Akadosh Baruch Hu to welcome the guests. So it's interesting that the, the, the contrast is not only between Orchim and the Shechina, but Orchim you have to be Machnes, right? It's Hachnosas Orchim. The, the Oreach is outside on the doorstep. You have to, he's outside on the street, you have to bring in him. Hashem is in our lives. We just have to receive it. We don't have to bring Hashem into our lives. 
The objective reality is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in our lives. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is omnipresent in our lives. We just have to receive it. We have to recognize it. If when a person undertakes to do anything, any endeavor, a person says to himself, Ezri Me'im Hashem, doesn't say to himself, he says both to himself and to Yvon Shalom. He's telling himself and he's being misfound to Yvon Shalom. Ezri Me'im Hashem Osei Shamaim Varetz, it does two things. A, again, it reinforces again that sense of depending upon Hashem. And again, Hashem is there. So, so we talk to someone's omnipresence. We talk to him. Ezra Meim Hashem Oseh Shemaim Voritz. Another way, the presence of Hashem in our lives should be manifest is that our midos should be transformed by that awareness. Again, clearly we've discussed already how this, the awareness again, of, of existing because Hashem lets us share in His existence totally eliminates all traces of, of arrogance, of haughtiness. And the truth is it also undercuts about 99% of caste. It undercuts 99% of instances of anger for two reasons. First of all, invariably, unless something is... Uh, calculated expression of moral outrage but short of, of that exception so invariably when we get angry when we get angry more about petty things so one of two things or maybe both things are happening first of all we, we totally lose control first of all when we, when we succumb to anger and we vent anger so it means that, that we've lost to varying degrees we've lost control if a person feels that Hashem is right here, so then that, that instills within a person a self-discipline that, that he doesn't lose control. Second of all, most manifestations of anger are driven by ego. Most manifestations of anger, really, when, you, when one cuts away the, the verbiage, reduced to, how could you do this to me? The element of ego is very pronounced, very pronounced in, in, in feeling and manifesting anger. And again, to the extent that Emes Valkenu, Evezuwasa, that a person realizes that, again, that we depend upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we exist, we share His existence. And, in the, and, and I'm aware of that because Hashem stands at the center of my existence. There's no room for that kind of ego-driven anger. So the first three points we mentioned, I just want to mention two more. The first three points we've mentioned are A, a proper Kabbalah to understand Hashem Echad, not only that Hashem is one, Hashem is the only one. Ein od emes malkeinu efes uloso. Two, ezri meim Hashem osei shamayim va'oretz. In the world of action, yes, we act, we take initiative, where we, 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 we toil, we're industrious, but we recognize that all that, all that can only lead to fruition if Ezri Me'im Hashem, Osei Shemaim Varet. And we say it, because Hashem is there, Hashem is there listening. Three, our Midas should be transformed by it. Four, another way to, again, constantly instill that awareness. And on the other hand, also manifest that awareness 
is that when Hashem is a constant presence in one's life, so one has a sense of accountability. Ultimately, if every time we spoke, we would feel that immediately we would have to justify the truth, the accuracy, the sincerity of what we were saying, so then we would have to measure our words differently than we sometimes do. And it's only because, again, sometimes a person thinks, no, Hashem's not there. Heyos Hashem Rochot Mikal Yosav. So then, when I speak, so, okay, if it's more comfortable for me to, I don't know, flatter, or, or it's more comfortable for me to shade the truth a little bit. But in part of trying to, again, instill within ourselves to rediscover that awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, again, as the permanent, central presence in our life, so every time we speak, okay, so if Hashem is going to now ask me, was that true? Did you really mean that? So that's, that's a standard by which we have to measure our, our, our speech. And finally, a, again, each of these things are, are cyclical in the sense that they manifest awareness of Hashem, but they also help instill awareness of Hashem. If a person lives with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, again, with a sense of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is at the center of his life, a person has <coughs> developed an appreciation for time. Because when you live with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so then life becomes something totally different. It's not something that, that one sort of takes cavalierly. No, one lives besimcha. There's no greater simcha than, than, than living a life of Torah and mitzvahs. It's not a question of not living besimcha. But, but one has an appreciation for the infinite value of time. One lives in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and hence every moment then is, is, is a moment which is potentially, potentially sanctified for, for all eternity by using that moment to do a chesed, by using that moment to daven properly, by using that moment to learn a little bit, by using that moment to work honestly, when one lives in the presence of Hashem, so every moment is a priceless and invaluable opportunity. So that also, again, is a manifestation and also a way of instilling that awareness within ourselves. So as we look forward to the Yom Narayim, in Chait we recognize a lack of awareness of Hashem, and in tshuva, we try, again, not just that we should believe as we do, Baruch Hashem, not just that we should know as we do, Baruch Hashem, but that we should feel HaKadosh Baruch Hu as an ongoing presence in our life and let that have all these repercussions. Repercussions in terms of how we say Shema, repercussions in terms of how we view all our endeavors, Ezra Hashem, repercussions in terms of transforming our, our midos, repercussions in terms of a sense of accountability, and finally in terms of a sense of yakus hazman, in terms of valuing time.